That's convicting, is it not? Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Open your Bibles to my most unfavorite chapter in the Bible. I'm sure we all have favorite chapters in the Bible. This morning I read from John chapter 12 through John chapter 17. That is one of my favorite passages in the, in the Bible. I, I love it when my Bible reading takes me to Ephesians or to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, maybe my favorite chapter in the Bible. Uh, I say that about so many chapters, okay? Uh, there's some places in the Bible that's very difficult for me to read. But uh, when my Bible reading takes me to 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'm always disappointed. And uh, I'm going to read that for you tonight, part of it. You might turn your Bibles there. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I'll, I'll give you my uh, subject, okay? I don't usually do this, but uh, the subject tonight is how to backslide. And uh, I'm not preaching this so I can teach you how to backslide, okay? But uh, we, we look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and and Paul mentions all of the things that the Israelites did that brought about the judgment of God on them. And then you remember he said, and, and these were in samples, examples for you to not lust after evil as they did. So when I'm talking about backsliding, I'm not doing it to teach you how. Uh, the other title that I really like for the message tonight is uh, How to Mess Up a Lot of Lives. Uh, you know, if, if we're not careful, we'll think, what I do just bothers me. That is a foolish thought. What you do bothers any number of people. So open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 11. And you keep your Bible open, and even though I'll not read many verses here, but keep the Bible open because we'll look at some others. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It came to pass after the year was expired... At the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Verse 2. It came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, 
the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came into him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from uncleanness, and she returned under her house. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, as we think about the sin of David, and I pray that you will press upon our hearts tonight the realization that all of us have feet of clay. And we have this story in the Bible as an example of what a great man of God did and the fall so that we would not do the same thing. Now, I do not know why you've laid this on my heart tonight, but I know what the Bible says. When my word goes forth, and this is the word of God, when my word goes forth, it shall not return into me void. And, and dear Lord, you have a purpose tonight for the message that you've laid on my heart. Now, I pray that you'd help me to deliver the message in such a way that it'd be a blessing to the people, a help to the people. But, dear Lord, most of all, I want it to be true to you. We, we, we serve you and Everything we do should be to glorify you. And I'd like to do that tonight. And I pray you'll help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul said these things were in samples, examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things. And he mentioned all the things that the Israelites did and uh, that brought down the judgment of God on them and made them wander in the wilderness for some 40 years. And, and all of the adults died there in the wilderness without ever going into the promised land. So let's look at some things about David. Number one, let's look at his inactivity what brought about this great sin in the life of this great man of God, David? And I would suggest that it was his inactivity. Uh, at this time, David was somewhere between 55 and 60. Now, that's old or young, depending how old you are, amen? Uh, to me, uh, that would be a young person. Okay, but he was not an old man. He was not a young person. He was somewhere between 55 and 60 years old. But when I think about David, I, I love to think about his past. Uh, he was the youngest of eight sons of his father, Jesse. And it was his job to take care of the sheep. He was a shepherd. By the way, he was a good shepherd. I mean, uh, uh, a, a lion comes around and, and, and tries to get a hold of the, the lambs and, 
and gets one of them and David with his bare hand goes out and attacks that lion. And the same thing happened with the bear. He risked his own life in order to take care of his sheep. You remember Saul had committed all those sins against God and God rejected Saul from being king over Israel. And he said to Samuel, said, Samuel, I want you to go down and, and I want you to anoint me a new king. I'm going to choose somebody else to take the place of David. So he goes down to the house of Jesse. And uh, the first person that he sees is Eliab. And I can just imagine, maybe like Saul, tall, handsome, nice looking, and Samuel thinks, no need to look any farther, no need to bring any of the rest of them. That's the one. But God said, no, 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 Samuel. You look on the outside. I look on the heart. And so they bring not only Eliab, but all of the other seven sons of Jesse. And time after time, God said, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. And finally, Samuel, maybe thinking, I, I've, I've missed it somewhere. So he says to Jesse, are there, are there no others? Yeah, there, there's one other son. He's the youngest. He's down there taking care of the sheep. His name is David. And they bring David. And when Samuel sees David, God says, Samuel, arise. Anoint him. That's the one. That's the one. We see the character of David, a great, great man of God. We, we, we think of David as he wrote many of the psalms, maybe the great majority of the psalms was written by David because he had a lot of time to talk with God when there was nobody else out there except he and the sheep. And sheep don't listen very well or they don't talk very well. So he didn't have anybody to talk to. He spent a lot of time talking to God. And many of the songs that the Israelites sing, and their songbook is the book of Psalms, was written by David. The first missionaries, when they first went out, and they were giving a history of the Israelites and telling the people why they ought to look at Jesus Christ, it got to the place where Saul, God rejected Saul as being king, and then David. And, and God said of David, listen to this. I have David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Uh, I, I don't find God saying that about anybody else in the Bible. David. 
his inactivity. Look at it again. And it came after the year was expired, the time when the kings go forth to war. By the way, David was a great warrior. I mean, he had won battle after battle after battle, a great, great man of God. That David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon. Mrs. Rabbi. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And when you, you look at verse 2, it's pretty evident that um, he didn't have much to do at that time. By the way, if, if you don't have anything to do, there's somebody that will find something for you to do. And you know who that is? That's Satan. <laughs> if, if you're inactive, if you're, as somebody said many, many years ago that the devil's workplace is an idle mind. You say, well, how do you know David was inactive? Look at verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed. Wait a minute. It's evening tide. It's not time to get up. It's getting time to go to bed. But evidently he had been inactive. He, he wasn't doing anything. Uh, he had always been in the battles before, but here he is now and he, he's not doing anything. So as, as a result, evidently he had slept around, done nothing that day. And evening time, he goes out for a walk. Look at it. It came to pass at evening time when David arose from his bed. That's not the time to get up. That's the time to be getting ready to go to bed. And he walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman. And look at it. And the woman, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Look, look at the word. He saw, he looked, he took. Sound familiar? Adam and Eve. They saw, they looked, they took. Devil doesn't have to change his tactics at all. People are still falling for the same thing. Look at Achan. He saw the good garments, the silver and the gold. He saw, he looked on it, and he took it. And you can go on and on and on. He saw, 
elok he took. So let's look at his temptation. He saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. I, I can't even conceive how that happened. I don't know that, okay? But it's in the Bible, so it, it, it happened, okay? And by the way, we cannot help what we see. Okay? I mean, probably every day you see some things you'd rather not see, but you can determine what you look at. Billy Sunday put it this way. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you don't have to let him build a nest in your hair. If David had just seen and turned away, that would have been all right, no problem. But he didn't do that. His temptation, he saw, he looked, and he took. Let's look at his inquiry. Look at verse 4. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Hey, by the way, when David heard that, that should have been the end of the whole thing. Look at the people mentioned. Her name is Bathsheba. In all probabilities, David had heard of her. Her father was Eliam. Eliam was the father of Ahithophel. Or Ahithophel, he was the son of Ahithophel, I'm sorry. Eliam was the son of Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's favorite counselor. In fact, when Ahithophel spoke, it was as if God was speaking himself. So here are people David knew. He knew Ahithophel. He knew Eliam. And then he said, and she's the wife of Uriah. That should have been the end of the inquiry. She's the granddaughter of my great friend Ahithophel. She's the wife of the faithful warrior Uriah. And that should have been the end of the story of David and Bathsheba. But sad to say, it was not. Look at verse 4. And David sent and took her. He saw, he looked, he took. And she came into him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned into her house. End of the story, right? It's a one-night stand. That's the end of it. 
David had his fun for that night. But that's never the end of the story. Look at the results of David's sin. By the way, God is a great paymaster. Uh, Dr. R.G. Lee used to preach that sermon, Payday Someday. Preached it over 500 times. <laughs> great sermon. Hey, but the devil's a good payday, too. He's a paymaster, too. And uh, you'll pay for your sin. Look at verse 5. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then David does something even worse than committing adultery with her. He uh, calls Uriah home, says, Uriah, go down to your house, take a rest. But Uriah wouldn't do it. He slept outside of David's palace with the servants of David. David, what, what, why didn't you go home? I can't go home and rest and have a good time with my wife while my fellow soldiers are out in the battlefield. Wonder how David felt when he heard that. I mean, David should have been out there in the battlefield, but he wasn't. You I wouldn't go home. Then the next day, David uh, said, hey, let's, let's get a meal together and let's get all the wine and so forth. And he got Uriah drunk. And he thought, okay, he's drinking. He's drinking heavily. He's drunk. He'll go down to his house. But he didn't. Notice the cover-up. So David sent a message to Joab. I want you to attack a certain place, and I want you to put Uriah right in the front of the battle. And he knew that Uriah would be killed. By the way, David might as well have taken a gun or a sword and killed him himself. He was just as guilty for the death of Uriah. The result of sin. By the way, turn your Bibles over to Psalms or, or Proverbs for just a minute, okay? No, no, I'm sorry. It is Psalms. Psalms chapter 32. Psalms chapter 32. And, and let's look at David. He, he commits adultery with Uriah's wife. He has Uriah killed. And uh, then he takes Bathsheba as his own wife. And they live happily ever after. Not so. Look at Psalms chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. Blessed is the he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Listen to David. When I kept silent, 
And he did that for about a whole year. When I kept silent, my bones vexed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. The whole year David wrestled with what he had done. The convicting power of Almighty God was on David. But look at verse 5. Finally, David says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquities have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. How did David come about that? Well, we read about Nathan, okay? He visits David one day. Hey, David, I've got a story I want to tell you. There was a little city, and in that city there was a very rich man. He had all kind of sheep, goats, cows. There was a poor man in that city, and he only had one little ewe lamb. And uh, this rich man has a visitor comes to see him, and, and uh, the rich man wants to feed the man, so he needs a sheep, a lamb. But rather than taking one from his own flock, he takes that one little ewe lamb that that poor man had. And, and evidently the, the, the lamb was kind of like a dog. You know, he just was, was with him all the time, followed him and so forth. Uh, you've seen animals like that, haven't you? I remember one time uh, for Easter, we bought our daughter a, a duck, a little duck. And we named him Waddles. And uh, he grew pretty big, and we put him with some chickens, and they hated that duck because he pecked them on the head and took their food and so forth. But every day when Renee would start to school, that duck would follow her down the hill where she caught the bus. And then for somehow he knew when the bus was going to run back and that duck would be there to meet her. So I've often thought that's, that's sort of like this little ewe lamb that this one poor man had. And he said uh, that, that rich man, rather than taking one of his sheep, one of his goats, he took that one little ewe lamb that that poor man had. And David said, all right, that man will die. You remember what Nathan did? Thou art the man. David, that story was about you. God made you king. God gave you wives. God gave you all these things. And you took the wife of Uriah. And basically, that's all he had. And that brought David to the place where he confessed his sin. By the way, 
The Bible says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. Right away, David should have confessed his sin, but he didn't do it. He waited a long time. But then he came to the place where he confessed his sin. Uh, look, look, for just a minute, we'll not take long, but look at, at Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51. Here's the confession prayer. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. David finally confessed. He said, and guess what? God forgave him. If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgave David. And David got back into the good graces of Almighty God. He forgave him, but David lived the rest of his life, and he watched one horrible thing after another happen. He didn't just hurt himself when he sinned. A little bit after that, we read about one of his sons raped one of his half-sisters. Horrible thing. Amnon. And then we read about Absalom. He killed Amnon. What do you think David must have thought when all those things began to happen? They watched their dad. Absalom, after he killed Amnon, became a refugee. Finally, David had him brought back. And then Absalom began to steal the hearts of the people and, and, and led a rebellion against his own father trying to overthrow him. My dear friend, when you sin against God, and, and don't get too holy tonight, okay? Don't say, I could never do that. I could never do that. Listen to what the Bible said. Let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he also fall. What David did, any of us could do. You remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after him has committed all adultery already in his heart. I read a passage the other day, and no new revelation, okay. 
but I never thought about it before. In First uh, Timothy chapter one, verse fifteen, Paul made this statement: "For this is good and acceptable in sight of God our Savior, worthy of all acceptation." That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. What's the next part of that? Somebody tell me. Of whom I, listen, say it again, okay? Of whom I am the chief. You know, I've looked at that time after time after time. I've always thought, David, you're right. Before you got saved on the road to Damascus, you was the chief of sinners. But David didn't say, I was the chief of sinners. What did he say? Come on. I am the chief of sinners. Wait a minute, David. Uh, You've been a missionary all this time. You've done some great things. God has blessed you and so forth. Surely you're not thinking about yourself being bad. Listen, if you don't believe David... Struggle with sin just like I do and just like you do. I dare you to read Romans chapter 7. What I would do, I don't do. What I'd like to do, what I need to do, I don't do. What I would not do, I do. He struggled with sin. And he said, I'm a sinner. By the way, the problem with most of us is we get too good. And we think we're above. Anything like that. Could I warn you, my dear friend? None of us. None of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your position is. It does not matter what your title is. None of us. Listen to Paul. These things were written as an example not to lust after evil things. You got some unconfessed sin? Be a good thing to get rid of it. Or you say, I wouldn't want to come to the altar. I'm afraid somebody would think bad about me. Huh? Better somebody think bad about you than you're not being right with God. God forgives our sin. It doesn't matter what sin we've committed. We can be forgiven. But the fact that our sins are forgiven does not mean the consequence of those sins is he. For instance, somebody gets drunk and gets in a car wreck and messes up his arms or his back or his legs and he gets saved. God forgives him of his sin, but he's still got a broken leg. He's still got a blinded eye. All of those things and so forth. The consequence. The consequence of sin. And the worst thing, the unconfessed sin. You think about it over and over in the Bible. He saw, he looked. He took. And that's what the devil uses. It's about our heads for prayer. Pastor.
You come lead us in prayer, would you?